Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Clap, 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 clap your hands and stomp your feet. You're listening. You're listening to the Clap Your Hands Podcast. Hosted by Elliot Shore Parks and Kyle Newbeck. Here they come. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Clap Your Hands, brought to you by Odyssey Sports. Make sure you download that Odyssey app, get all the episodes first, and the episodes are very important now with everything that's going on. Brought to you by (laughs) Sports Radio 94 WIP. And today, Kyle, we are brought to you by some of my favorite pods, an emergency pod. Uh, James Harden opts into his deal. I was floored when I saw the tweet. Uh, There's so much to get into from this. Obviously, what happened, we'll get into that uh, with you first. I know you have some reporting on that. And then what happens next? So, I mean, man, like I guess to start, we had kind of thought Harden was going to be back. Just take me through how surprised you were when this came out. Well, you're burying the lead here, Elliot. We really sat down today to celebrate your elite flip cup performance. Oh, okay. At, uh, Look, we, we the Jersey Shore. <laughs> well, the funniest part really, and I appreciate that. The funniest part about that is I am the worst drinker. Like I can't chug like any of those things. And the fact I got the flip cup in one turn, it really just reinforces. Very my nonchalant too, by very the way. Nonchalant. For anyone who's not seen yeah. the video. <laughs> well, very nervous about it, but it just reinforces my belief that I would hit a home run in an MLB game with some luck. Like, I'm just <laughs> yeah, exactly the same time. Thing. I mean, yeah, we're going to talk about James Harden today. Is he a clutch player? We can debate that. There's no debating. I was clutching that moment. So I appreciate the uh, the shout out on that. Yeah. So, well, so anyway, um, <laughs> we can mention to our listeners now because it has now sort of come to fruition. I did text you. You did. You did. And our producer, James, was this last night, early this morning, sometime this week, uh, between well, the last say, podcast and now. Speaking of the flip cup thing, when I got the text this morning, I first, or no, it was late last night. I think I'd already passed out. When I first read it, I was like, am I still drunk? Or is like this actually what's going to happen? So, but you were, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. So I had mentioned to Elliot and James that, I think I said something to the effect of the Clippers are really up to something here. Yeah. And also that I knew that they had talked to the Sixers about some things. So this is something that I had gotten a tip on earlier in the week. At the time, it was sort of a whisper down the lane thing. I'd heard something to the effect of sign and trade. And at that moment, the Clippers basically had no pathway to doing a sign and trade. They still really don't because... Mm -hmm. Sign and trade for them, hard caps them. They're so far over the aprons that it's like logistically impossible. And then the wheels start turning and you're like, hmm. You see Eric Gordon, they don't guarantee his contract and things yeah. start adding up. And it's like, all right, something's really up here. And it, initially it had been framed to me as yeah, the Clippers are making calls on some different guys. And it turns out it was more along the lines of, James Harden has been ruining his options and seeing what's out there. And it's hard to say there's one specific thing or specific reason that is driving 
you know, Harden looking elsewhere. I think it's probably a combination of factors. But even still, even with this background and having known some stuff ahead of time, right? You still sit here and are like, "Wow, he actually did it!" And this yeah. is kind of moving in this direction because you can do all the reporting you want and prepare for different outcomes, but it's once it's out there in the public and it's it's go time. You make your decision. I mean, I'm sitting here waiting. I had a couple of different versions of stories written for nice job whenever you. he made the the option decision. And I essentially had to splice like three different ones <laughs> with the Clippers thing. I had half written. It was this like Frankenstein's right. monster of a story. So even as somebody who was, I would say, fairly well prepared for this, it still took me aback. And now we're, look, we've talked a lot on this podcast and, and other mediums that there are a lot of fans who are just not going to be happy with a status quo, bring everybody back. Well, you can say thank you to James Harden for pretty much guaranteeing that that won't be the case. <laughs> well, all right. So let me, let me, let me jump in here. Cause the, I think a key question to start with is, is this because the Sixers don't want James Harden or is this because James Harden doesn't want the Sixers? Because the way you're framing it, either from your opinion or, or reporting as if James is the one that is walking away from the Sixers, this isn't the Sixers <clears throat> saying, we're not going to give you the money we want. I mean, so what what do you think is is dry is driving this? Is it is it James or is it the Sixers? Well, it is both of those things, right? Like I think okay. if the Sixers were sitting here and saying, "Yeah, we're going to give you the four year max," I think there's a good chance that none of this is happening, right? Like the whole but it doesn't seem like anyone's going to give him the four year max. Well, so that's the thing. If he's not going to get what he wants, whether it's years, money, etc. He can then sit here and say, well, maybe I don't see this as the best place to win, or maybe this isn't the mm -hmm. place that I can see myself getting paid long-term, all that kind of stuff. And so he can say, if that's the case, I'll opt in. I'll take the money that I'm going to get. That's I don't. Maybe that's the strongest sign here. If he didn't think he could do better than right. $35 million, to me, that's a bad sign for him next offseason. That's a a problem for another day and yeah most well, likely because, another team because now he has to play on that one year right like yes. there can be no negotiation not with the Sixers, or maybe negotiation is not the right word there can be no new extension with the sixers or another team is that correct i have to double check the cba so i believe if he gets traded he cannot be extended i okay. think the sixers could but their options are extremely limited like they can't okay. offer him real money and so, so then, then that's like, it's, yeah, yeah it, it's not an extent. It, it is possible. And again, I have to double check. Right. It's not an extension that actually benefits him at all. Okay. So it, it's just not. In so the if cards. he were to play for the Sixers, because there is that slight possibility, like he's probably playing on this one year deal. I mean, I would say it's almost a guarantee. Yes. Okay. All right. So anyway, so you so, think now Harden is looking around because he's not getting money from the Sixers. Yeah. So he's not getting the money from the Sixers. I do think there's a possibility. I, I, I don't think it was taken well by him that there haven't been real negotiations that I'm aware of yet. And there haven't been like term sheets put in right. front of him and that this was being pushed toward, you know, when free agency starts, I think there's the context of, Last year, the Sixers get charged for tampering and they lose multiple picks and they get a big fine and so on and so forth. And so the Sixers are trying 
using a little right. trepidation here and how they're carrying themselves with, right. well, because they have to, because uh, a new deal, then he would be opting out and he's technically an unrestricted free agent. And so it's. So then they're not allowed to talk about a new contract with him. Is that like, that's the rule, even though he's on their roster and he's their free agent, like in the NFL to use my, like where I'm good with the, with the cap, the Eagles can negotiate with their free agents up until the start of the league agent, like the start of the new league year. Like that's the benefit of trading for a guy that's on a contract year, you get those months of exclusive negotiation. You're saying that's not the case with James Harden. I'm just going to say the NBA CBA rules are goofy and tampering is selectively enforced, as will be illustrated by the fact that there are Lakers reporters already tweeting out that they're going to pay Bruce Brown and free agency, which is like a very flagrant tampering, obviously, if they're already knowing that ahead of time. So it's just, yeah, go ahead. It's one of those things. But so anyway, so I think that might be a factor. Like if you're James Harden, if he had, so let's say that is the case. If he still had the alternative offers, the Houston Rockets, for example, as mm-hmm. a they're out there as the big money looming off in the distance, and he can use that as a threat, he opts out and he says, all right, well, I'm going to go to Houston. I'll at least take the meeting and yeah. he put some pressure on the Sixers. I don't think that external pressure was there to sign him outright anywhere. And so this is really his only big leverage play that he's able to make, which is also why I think it's not completely out of the question that he'd come back and play for them next year. That maybe this is just like a look, man, I sacrificed last year. I was expecting to get rewarded. You guys clearly aren't showing me or didn't show me what I wanted. And Maybe they all come together, cooler heads prevail and all that. But I don't know, man. It just doesn't seem like. But, but what I think is interesting about that, because you're right. I Like if there was legitimate multiple teams really wanted James Harden, you would think he opts out because that's a way to get a better deal. He controls his own destiny a little bit more. So I agree that opting into one year, 36 and a half or 35 and a half, whatever it is, doesn't scream that he has a ton of financial options out there. To your point about opting in and then trying to make a power play of being like, I sacrifice all those things. The wording of the report, and I think the wording of these things are very important, is like almost that it's mutual. Like they're going to work together to find him a home as opposed to a James Harden's opting in, but he's demanding a trade, blah, blah, blah. So I just, and then the, then the whole thing with the, with the Sixers saying they had to wait till Friday, maybe that is the rule by the CBA. And maybe they are being like, look, we got, dinged last year we don't want to do it but if you truly really want James Harden and you really think that he is the best chance for you to win next year you really allow that to be the reason that he's now saying maybe I'm gonna ask for or ask for a trade or gonna look for a different place like I you've reported it it just seems like a crazy excuse to me like the reason that he now is maybe gonna leave is because he wasn't happy with how the negotiations or the lack of negotiations that seems absurd what's the whole benefit of having a relationship with daryl Morey? what's like the benefit of having one of the best gms in the league if something so silly like this is going to potentially be why he leaves well i do think there and i i wouldn't say this applies to daryl but i do think there are people who ever since the the story was i shouldn't say leaked ever since woge reported in december or on christmas that you know, the Rockets were out there as a possibility. I do mm-hmm. think there are people connected to the organization who kind of looked at James and how his people were handling it, this whole thing 
with a bit of a side eye, like, mm-hmm. come on, man, what are you doing here? Like, yeah, there's no problem with you exploring your options in free agency and we're going to take care of you. But for that to be kind of the driving story on Christmas Day, which is supposed to be, you know, a fun day for the team. They go out and they have a great game. James essentially calls those rumors nonsense after the game when he's asked about it. And I saw it. I think ever since then, there are definitely some people. Again, I want to be clear, not the front office, but definitely people connected to the organization who are like, what are we doing here, man? Like, what's going on here? Like, we're in this for the right things. We want to win. We want you to be here. But again, you also get to the end of the road. And I've said here many times, I don't think they were willing to go the full boat, max value, max years. And I think James, whether you think it's right for him to do or not, said last year, I'm sacrificing to come back and play for this team and they can get PJ and Daniel and so on and so forth. And now he's at the end of the road and the Sixers are like, well, we're not going to give you the full max contract. Like, And I think that's the right position to take. I think that's absolutely... Mm-hmm. He is not worth that kind of money. And I don't I don't I think it was even more important that they said no four year deal. We'll bring you back for two years, maybe a two plus one, but we're not going four. But I can see where James and his management, his agent would look at that and say, You promised XYZ or you said you take care of us later, blah, blah, blah. And now they're in a very different place. So I think we'll talk about potential trades and the ramifications of him leaving. And I know this is a small chance, but I do want to touch on it. If there is a chance of him coming back, let's put it at 5%, 10%, whatever. Cause I do think Daryl has shown he's not just going to make a deal to make a deal. He showed, he's shown that with Ben. I think he's currently showing it with Toby. Now you would imagine if it's gotten to this stage that James knows there's teams out there that will probably make a deal that would make sense and, and all those things. But when I hear you talk about, uh, you know, how it seems that things are between James and the team, do you think at this point the bridges are just burned? Like, could it even, would it even be smart for him to come back? Because, A, you have a new head coach, like you're building a new culture, all those things. And James is a guy that has shown when he's not happy, he'll just leave or he'll essentially stop trying until you decide you're going to trade him. Do you think at this point, even if, like, let's say a week from now a deal isn't done, like, are the, are the bridges burned? I wouldn't go that far. And I would say the big advantage of this coming out now is that compared to if this happened day one of training camp or right before training camp where James is going to be in these practices, he's going to be in front of a microphone or he would be unless the Sixers can prevent him from being in front of the microphone, (laughs) essentially. If you're in that scenario, there's no way to hide whatever James's feelings are, how unhappy he is whatever he's willing to do as he's shown and done in the past to get the hell out of town. That would be a really bad and disadvantageous scenario for the Sixers. But because it happens now, it's still not great, right? Like if all things being equal, if they could have just traded him without this really getting out and say, hey, we're sending you to LA or Miami or Portland or New York or wherever the heck it ends up being, that's always better if it doesn't leak. But if you don't get the offers, and now this turns into we'll see what the best bids are from the various teams that are interested, you can wait it out because I don't think James is going to go around and do like a, a press tour this summer and, yeah. and be like, 
I hate Daryl. I don't want to play with Joel Embiid. He's not in shape. He's never healthy. I don't think we're going to see that sort of scenario. So I don't think it does really any damage to their case to hold on to him, at least until they get a good offer this summer. I mean, we'll see if and when that comes. And if you have to run it into training camp and potentially the regular season, that's when you have to start figuring out, is James going to be on decent behavior and actually give it a, a solid effort? I would say that the history says no. And I right. don't think you ignore the history the same way you don't ignore the history with his playoff performances and so on and so forth. So it'll be interesting, but I don't think it needs to be solved within the next week, two weeks necessarily. Well, I remember something you said uh, about how we were kind of predicting what the contract would be. And again, let's use 36 million as what his opt-in number was. It was 36 and a half or whatever. Like there was talks about, well, maybe he gets 40 a year because you want to give him a little bit of an emotional boost, a bit of a raise because he had a good year. There is the, you know, he took a pay cut last year. You, you can't do that now. So now the other worry is not only is it an ugly situation, he's now coming in, if he were to come back, on one year and like no raise at all. Just that, ex- that number he's opting in at. So I think that's a concern as well. But ultimately, I think the chances he's back are slim. Like I said, 5 or 10%, which raises the next question. And it's all I've been thinking about since this came out. Like, where is he going to go? So as you mentioned, the Clippers are a team that have interest. It's something you've known for most of the day. Uh, like, what do you see there? Um, and I guess the bigger question for me is, is this something where you think when we do our emergency pod, we're going to be sitting here talking about Dame Lillard, Zach Levine, Paul George, or is this going to be me saying, I can't believe they traded one of their best players for a bunch of role players? Well, so here's what I would say. In the LA example, I don't think they're going to get Paul George or Kawhi, like that's just, you don't I don't think. think that's going, no. I do think it's not impossible for them to turn this into somehow getting somebody like Dame. Now that mm. would require Dame actually taking the step and saying, I'm out of here, which it still seems like he's reluctant to do. But I think it actually becomes more likely you can get him because you could say, hey, we're going to trade James to the Clippers. We'll get you know, role players, assets, picks, whatever, things that we can send to Portland to add to whatever package we would send there. And then we put the most complete offer that we can on the table for Dame Lillard. And I think that becomes a little bit more compelling. Like maybe there's a more realistic angle there. I still would say that's probably unrealistic. I think if you just sit here and you're trying to look at if you just take the names out of it, we're talking about a 34, will be 35-year-old next year star who is on the decline, obviously. Don't have the greatest faith in, I guess, his long-term production and his body holding up and all that. I don't want to mm-hmm. say work ethic because he works hard, but his off-court habits are what they are. Right. The reputation of... has been earned. Yeah. Yeah. And certainly if he's going to LA, I don't think that's going to get a whole <laughs> yes, lot better yeah. between LA nightlife and Vegas. Or Miami, the other one that's been rumored. Yeah. But they're Miami would be so interesting because they basically run the military down there and yeah. they're, they might actually get James to reclaim 
career. I was going to say, it would either say. revive his career or end his career. Like he would go down there and it would be a disaster or all of a sudden he'd come in like in the playoffs against the Sixers in the best shape of his life being in all the Sixers fans. Like, I can't believe this is happening again. Yeah. I, I think Jimmy Butler might strangle James Harden on the yes. floor. Or they'll also, party so. together. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. So anyway, so I just think if you just look at him as a, trade asset trade chip i don't think he's got considerable value i don't think he's like you add him to a team and well you swap him for another star and that team can be like oh yeah we're getting better if you add him to a team with stars i think you and i would both agree we know james harden brings a lot to the table as a playmaker as a guy who gets gets you into your offense and sets tempo and he can shoot you into some games. He doesn't really shoot you out of games, but the problem is he doesn't shoot enough. Well, he doesn't games. shoot. He just completely, yeah, yeah just takes yeah. himself out of the game. Yeah. So I, I think if you're a team like the Clippers that has the two stars, but they haven't been able to get over the hump, you say, look, we have all these 10 plus million dollar contracts for a bunch of role players. If we can just splice a few of those together, throw in some picks, maybe a young player or something. We'd be happy to trade that for James Harden. We'll take the risk. We already have Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. So if James falls flat on his face in a playoff game, we have the guy who's done it before. And PG as one of a big three rather than a big two, I think is better suited for that. Now, the Sixers argument is going to be, well, we don't want to take back a bunch of role players and stuff that's not helping us right now to surround Joel Embiid with. Because I think the bigger thing is, if you don't get anything legit back for him and you don't have a real co-star with Joel, when does he start looking for the door? Like what's yes. the domino effect there and how quickly does Joel get impatient? I can't tell you right now what Joel thinks about all this. We've talked about it, that he supported James publicly after they lost in game seven, said they had unfinished business. So it'll be interesting to see. His next comments in public after yeah. that, but he didn't talk at that thing too, for what it's worth. The yeah, thing him so, and Toby were at. We, yeah. like the Toby comments too. I guess maybe we'll get to those, but that feels yeah. like a lifetime ago now. But so so here's my thing off of that. And this is like my large picture kind of take on all of this. I understand that fans are very frustrated with James Harden. And I very much live in that world as someone that's on WIP and is constantly taking calls and talking to people. At the Eagles fan thing yesterday, people were talking about James Harden. So maybe my opinion's a little skewed on the public view of James Harden. But I think it's safe to say a large portion of the fan base, at the very least, wants James gone. Like they're mad about Game 7. They don't view him as someone they can win with and all those things. But I just think when you look at the Sixers' chances of winning next year, if you just remove James Harden off the roster, just to start with, just remove him, they're not anywhere as good. He was a critical player for them. Like Maxi was very important and Bede was important. But you can see when he played poorly in the playoffs, they didn't win. Why? Because they need James Harden to be really good. Like he's very important. And I, I understand people not wanting to run it back. I think I would be okay with running it back to an extent because I think they're really good. And if you look around the East, the Celtics lost Marcus Smart. I think that's a big implication for them. We'll see if the Bucs are able to, br- able to bring back Chris Middleton and Brooke Lopez. Like the East could be even more winnable and, and not as good as it was last year. So I do believe the Nick Nurse, Joel, Harden, Maxi, Tobias could, could win the East next year. But the issue is then if you remove James Harden, you have to replace him with something legit. Like you just have to. If they do this deal, let's say 
for the the Clippers, and they bring back like Norman Powell, a second round pick, Robert Covington, and I think what's other like you you sent me a joke trade like Terrence Mann or something like that, right? Who I like Terrence Mann, but people I, think I of him too, as like but... a young prospect. He's gonna be like twenty seven this year, I think. So yeah, that like is he's true. A, not a, not an actual young guy. Well, the, he actually reminded me. Everyone compared the player. Uh, Smith, I can't think of his first name right now, that they signed the undrafted guy to Bones Highland. For some reason, maybe they because they have similar hair, I immediately thought of Terrence Mann when they signed him too. But but anyway, the, the point I'm making is losing James Harden is not a good thing for this team. And replacing him is not going to be as easy as people think. So all these Sixers fans out there that are like, well, at least he's off the roster, go get role players, like blah, blah, blah. Like, no, you have to go get a legit star for him. You have to go or at least try. And if you don't, you're not as good or you're depending on Maxi to take a massive step forward. And maybe that's more likely without James Harden here. Maybe he has to have more responsibility as a facilitator and he thrives in that role and Nick Nurse does a great job. And maybe that happens. But ultimately, they're not as good without James Harden. So for me, it's frustrating to know that I look at this team and I don't think they have a good of a chance as winning the title now. Like unless this is Paul George or even the Dame thing, right? Let's say you trade James Harden over the next two weeks and you get the package of, of putting together assets like you talked about. Then what if Dame doesn't ask out? Or what if he asks out and he doesn't want to come to you and you've now traded uh, Harden for like package uh, for a package of players that don't make you as good as you were with him? So I just I think Daryl Morey is good at his job. I think Nick Nurse is a good head coach. They have a top five player in the NBA. So ultimately, they will be a team that will probably be top four in the East. And come playoff time, I'll probably talk myself and I'm getting out the second round. But as I sit here right now, I don't see how they're going to be as good as next year. And that's just frustrating when they could have just signed this guy, like give him two years, nine million or, or who knows what it would have taken, but they're not as good. And that's hard to look past. Yeah. Well, to your point, the best option would honestly have been him opting in, but wanting to stay here and yes. play here and just figure and now it that's out. all screwed up too. Cause even if he decides to stay, there's, they can talk it over and say that they're better and all that. I don't know, man. Like the first sign of something going wrong, it, this all this is going to boil back up. I think so. But also James is kind of a, I don't want to say weird, but he's a mercurial guy, we'll say. So mm-hmm. this could just be, hey, this is a big flare up and they can look past it. Now, again, to your point, I don't think that's the likeliest scenario here. I think the likeliest scenario ends with him being traded. But again, I think the important thing to take away here is I would not, have a I would not set high expectations for the return here, especially because other teams know James's history too. Mm-hmm. At this point, this is he's asked out of three different teams in the span of what four or five years. I think, and less. that's yeah, yeah. Right that's a there. hard, hard sell to future franchises. Like, what we're going to give up a big package for this guy who purposefully forced his way to multiple teams in a row that then mm-hmm. within two years, he was essentially like, nah, you know what? I've had enough, man. I'm out. And I think in hindsight, we were able to look at the Brooklyn scenario and say, Hey, that was kind of messed up. Like Kyrie Irving was doing whatever the hell that weirdo right. does. Durant, and yeah. Kevin Durant had his eye out the door at different points. And James didn't look as much like the bad guys he did when he actually left via the trade. But now it's like, James, you kind of made this bed for yourself, man. I don't, I don't know how he gets out of this with, without his reputation taking another hit. And so if you're looking yeah. at that from the perspective of all these other teams, sure, they see the talent. And sure, they say, 
hey, if you're the Knicks and you trade, you know, Julius Randle and other BS for him, right? Sure, you would take that, but you still that's the type of trade that I'm sure a lot of these teams are gonna propose is you take this big money, we might throw you some picks, we might throw you a prospect or two, but I don't certainly not out of the gate. They're not coming with hey, we're giving you our star for your star and we're going to swap these. That's not going to happen. Well, and that's my concern is, again, we can all talk about game seven and it was disgusting, gross, like whatever adjective you want to use. They quit, whatever. You're not, you're more than likely not going to get a player back that can do what James did in games one and uh, four. Like you're just probably not. Like maybe combined, you can get somewhat similar point totals, but you're not going to get somebody that the other team is like, all right, this person's taking over the game unless it's a Dame or a Paul George or a Kwai, and it sounds like you don't think that's going to happen. And with the Clippers, I could see why they would give up something of value because are they're are they trying to build a new stadium, I think. Like, they're trying to win well, now. Well, Bomber they're- doesn't give a shit either. He'll just spend. That's the other you know, thing, right. So I think he whatever. <laughs> but the Knicks, so the Knicks, like, I don't even see how that's a fit, number one. But let's just say they're they're involved. And I know you can get a third team involved, so maybe the Knicks get them, but you get assets from uh, somebody Shams else. Charania also reported – the heat as well or in the mix so the other one so i was thinking of the heat like maybe tyler hero but i don't know in the finals i was sitting here saying they're better without tyler hero clowning him for everything he was wearing on the bench and making fun of his contract so and we said on the podcast like tyrese maxi i believe is more valuable than him right now exactly specifically because of the contract so like why do you want if you're trying you're maybe you acquire him in the sense that you're going to try to flip him and you make a series of moves, you dangle him to other teams, you don't have the attachment to him. But then that's just setting up. It's going to have to be a multi-team, multi-step type yeah. of deal rather than you just trade James and here's your team. Well, and then so maybe you trade him, but you get a lot of draft picks. And then you can sit here and go, well, you're restocking the cupboard. But but that's not super appealing either. This is a win-now team. And these draft picks are unlikely going to help Joel. And if it ever comes to trading Joel, you're getting a ton of picks then anyway. So I just, I can't see a world where this trade goes down and I'm excited on the emergency pod. Maybe it is, maybe that's what will happen. But that's why when this came out, like it was a bummer. Like I, and I know I'm in the minority of wanting Harden back, but they're not going to be as good as they were next year. Again, maybe Nurse, maybe Maxi, all those things. But those things could have happened anyway. And the other thing about the, the Dame thing is, so let's say they do put a pack, they trade Harden for a bunch of pieces and draft picks and all those things. You're still likely including Maxi in that deal. So you've gone now from a world where you have Harden with Dame in like a hypothetical where you trade a Maxi and who knows how that would have fit. But you've gone from all these scenarios we've talked about where you have two stars plus Embiid to really only having Dame and Embiid, which is awesome if you have it, but you don't have Maxi anymore. Like maybe Toby's still here because of what you acquired from the James trade, but Toby's probably gone too. So even if you get Dame, you're you're not as deep as I think we all once projected they would be when they pulled off a Toby trade or 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 the Maxi for Lillard trade. Well, this is why Daryl Morey is getting paid a lot of money to run this team. That, that's <laughs> he has to figure this out. Whether that's look, maybe, and I know you're anti-Zion. This is just an example, right? But it might be a situation where you have to try to take a higher risk higher reward gamble on somebody like that. Or as you brought up, maybe you figure it out where you trade for a Levine and that's mm-hmm. the the shot that you take where I don't love Zach Levine, but there's a reason you're, he's gettable compared to, you know, somebody like a Dame or Paul George or something like that comes with downside. And you have to consider 
do we want to take on the long-term money and hope that this guy can be one of the two to three best players on a contender? I think that's the type of, if you want to go for a, a quote-unquote star or somebody who fits the mold of a potential game-breaking player rather than saying we're taking three role players back making right. $12 million a piece, I think that's the profile player you're going to see. Now, again, I want to stress the Dame example is a tricky one because I think Dame can essentially pick where he wants to go. Yes. If I had to guess, like, I, I think I agree. Portland values him enough yep. that if he said, I want to go to Philly, figure out how to make it happen. Well, and also when's the last time they would a do superstar it. got traded against his will somewhere? Was it quiet to Toronto? Like Durant? Now, the flip side of that also though, is that, Dame does not seem to be the kind of guy that's going to be driving that hard of a bargain. I think he, on the flip side, would look at Portland and say, I want to do right by you guys as much as I can. And so here's my like three teams figure out what the best return is. And now the flip side to that flip side is Dame also <laughs> seems like someone that is extremely self-conscious of where he's playing, who, how, how real you think their team's chance to win is. So the good news is with Harden leaving, this roster's worse. So maybe Dame will have more interest because it won't be like he's joining a super team. He'll probably, I mean, he'll come here and be the best player. But yes, you are right. The tough thing with collecting assets for Dame is he could just decide. You really snuck that one in there, by the way. He'll come in here and be the best player. That was yeah, a, you like that? That's you know, a good little, try. A little something. But, it's a uh, good try. It's not true, but it was a no, good No, it's try. not true. I agree. I agree. But um, but to your point, you could collect all these assets for Dame, and then he goes, well, yeah, I just want to go to Miami. And then that's that. It, it Again, a lot of this also just rests on what is Joel Embiid going to be happy with? I, I mean, I don't think it's crazy to think that you could sell him on this will be like a retool year, oh, we'll put a bunch of role players. Look, I know that's not exciting to you. I know, I know. But I yeah. do think if you look at how Joel handled the Ben Simmons sabbatical year, we'll call it, he was not out in the press demanding, Daryl, get a trade done, whatever. Yeah. He said, I'm going to... I'm going to do it with who I have and what I have and we'll figure it out. And he is further along in his career. He's won an MVP. Now he might not have that same mentality this go around, but I don't think it's off the table that he thinks that. And in that case, you could say we're going to prioritize young guys, upside picks, whatever it is. And then you try to go into free agency next summer and say, you know, we have assets for, a sign and trade, or we might be able to sign somebody outright, depending on what they do with Maxi and so on and so forth. So you never know. It, it's too early to say. So there's school, there's kind of two schools of thought on how long this could take. I believe you wrote in your article uh, that, you know, this potentially could take a while, right? Like they're not going to rush into it. The flip side of that, to keep with that phrase, is the off season's beginning for all these teams. So the Sixers, kind of need to know what's going to happen. And these other teams need to know as well. What would you set as a timeline? I know that's an impossible question in some ways because a team could wake up tomorrow and decide to offer the Sixers exactly what they want. But do you think this is something where the Sixers and James would prefer to get this done ASAP? Or is this going to be Daryl kind of sitting back and doing, again, you know, what we talked about, what he did with Ben? I, I don't think Daryl wants or will rush this unless somebody comes in with an offer that says – you can't refuse this. Like Daryl mm. very much operates from, I mean, look, uh, we have discussed some reporting from Keith Pompey and others recently that was 
a little off the mark, but I think what it got at when we were discussing the Cavs thing where it was Evan Mobley and Jared right. Allen and so on and so forth, I do think Maury will always set an initial high bar and then he lets you know, I'm not just give, giving this guy up simply to make a trade. I want value. I want this. I want that. And, you know, some of it's bluster. It's tough talk. But most of the time, Daryl gets these deals done and they don't really leak to the press ahead of time either. It's, hey, the deal's done and agreed to. And so clearly there's not, broadly speaking, an issue with how he conducts himself in these negotiations. So I don't think that this is a case where, now look, James being a high-profile player, There'll be a lot of people reporting on this, asking about this, calling about this. So I'd imagine there's going to be leaks coming from somewhere. We're going to hear some of this reported stuff, but I don't think Daryl cares about what people are saying regarding you need to get this done now. You need to do this. I think what he is guided by is what is best for the team? What gives us the best chance to win a title in the next, you know, however many years. So I got a few more questions for you, then we'll wrap this up because who knows by this time tomorrow, maybe James is traded. So I want the people to get out and, uh, and hear this. So you brought up the, some of the Keith Pompey reporting, which brings me to the Toby thing. Do you think James essentially likely being traded makes Toby more or less likely to be traded? And who do you think has more trade value when you consider James is older? He kind of like impacts your team more for better. It's still hard. You don't have to overthink it in that way. I'm curious. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, you don't have to overthink that too much. Uh, look, I, I would say there's not too much impact on Tobias necessarily. I think in the right scenario where they have a, a team where he makes sense as a complimentary piece, they're not just going to ship him off for nothing. Right. I do know they're not married to him, certainly. And they see a $39 million expiring contract. And I'm sure Daryl's sitting there saying, we might be able to turn that into two or three guys, maybe they'll yep. be here for a couple years and they're on individually smaller, more digestible, more tradable deals. And maybe you figure out a way to do that. But again, Harden has been the big thing this whole off season, right? When we've discussed the heart or the Tobias trade rumors, I've always tried to stress until they figure out James Tobias is kind of a side issue. Like yeah, him yeah. and his dad have their priorities and rightfully so got to look out for themselves but until james's situation is figured out and they see what are they getting back are they rerouting stuff to another team for a a third star uh speaking of your own weitzman who's reported a lot of stuff on the sixers wrote a book about process over the years mentioned just name dropped casually zach levine within his uh love it recent story so that's something to essentially just implying and it's sort of touches on the conversation we were just having that doesn't think that the Sixers are going to deal just for role players and picks, that that wouldn't happen until or unless those could be rerouted elsewhere for that type of player. So look, I I think you and I see what's happening here and what's coming. It's, Mm -hmm. I don't know when it'll happen. I don't know where he'll go, but certainly looks like our, our old friend, James Harden is, Hitting the old dusty trail. (laughs) I did have one, like one brief positive thought. There is if they're able to trade Harden for, let's say, like two or three or two 
real, you know, really good role players. Toby for two really good role players. Then maybe you have almost a way better version of the Raptors team where it's a bunch of guys, but then you have Joel as your main guy and Nurse is feeling comfortable that way. So maybe that's a, you know, a potential good outcome here. The final question I have for you, and this is a bit open, open-ended if you want to think about it for the next pod, but like, is this a good thing? Like, do you think this is going to end up being a good thing for the Sixers? Because I think Sixers fans will be excited about it. But when you, you know, you, Kyle, not what you think the team thinks, any of those things. What do you think? Like, is this good that James Harden's not going to be back? I think it's bad if you were hoping they could try to win a title next year. Yeah. I think it's good. I I think (laughs) it's good in all the other ways. Like, now... We were looking at a situation here where I think the Sixers had very few outs if James Mm -hmm. Harden comes back, even if it's a two plus one. If he's here for two years and you're waiting on his player option decision on that third year, that could very much be a place where Joel's just sick of this shit by now. And he says, I want out of here. You basically have to blow it up and you're not in a position to do anything other than sell him for less than what he's worth. Now, you know, as we discussed, I do still think there's a possibility that Joel could look around and be like, what's going on here? Like, what's happening? This isn't what I signed up for. But by not being tied down to James, Tobias is on this expiring. You have a path as soon as next summer to just completely wipe the slate clean. You can say, if you really wanted to, this is full teardown mode. Don't have to take on lots of bad money. Build around young players and picks that they make further trades down the line, you could do it. And so the future paths are plentiful. I do think it's a lot tougher to look at them and say, hey, this team's going to end up having a real shot next season. But we also have to wait and see what happens with this James situation before. We don't know who the hell is coming back. We don't know if they're going to have extra picks to deal at the deadline to make another push and another trade. This is going to start a giant domino effect. The the end of which we will not see for quite a while. And also, honestly, man, we just saw the Miami Heat go to the NBA Finals. So, like, they could not be as good next year and get hot at the right time. Everyone makes their threes like they did on the Heat. The East isn't as good, and maybe you squeak through. But I think I fall where you do of it's just hard to look at next year and feel as confident they have a chance. But maybe we'll feel differently if they have Zach Levine the next time we record. So we will wrap up this emergency pod. Uh As always, it's always important, but especially now, make sure you are following Kyle. He has all the latest details on this, all the best reporting. So obviously at Kyle Newbeck, but then also phillyvoice.com. Make sure you're following me if you want to see the video of me playing uh, Flip Cup against the Eagles. So we're both bringing different things to the table, both equally important or, you know, slightly less important on my end. But thank you to everybody uh, that's listening. Obviously, make sure you have the Odyssey app. Make sure you're leaving those five-star reviews. And Kyle, I'll talk to you next time, man. Talk to you guys soon. Mm -hmm.